The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Oh my goodness. This is the last chapter of the first book. We are going to be doing Chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. Quirrell is the bad guy. What? What? Spoilers. He, he's the one who's been aiding Voldemort this whole time. I did not see this coming. Oh my gosh, neither did I. I always enjoy this twist. I really do. And when I first read the book, I had no idea. Did you actually have an nope. idea? No. It can't be. Snape, he, he was the <laughs> Yes. It does seem the type, doesn't he? Well, next to him, who would suspect? Poor stuttering Professor Quirrell. It was a great twist. Poor, 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 stuttering quarrel. What does this say about perception and the use of misdirection? I mean, I think Rowling did a fantastic job. Brilliant. Brilliant job of leading us to believe that Snape was the bad guy. I mean, everything was pointing to him, right? He was mean and suspicious and his sneaking around and, and getting... doing incantations at the same time. Yes, <laughs> doing incantations at the same time as Harry was flying on the cursed broom and getting attacked by Fluffy on the night that the troll got in. Everything pointed out to him being the bad guy. Obviously. And certainly him threatening Quirrell with asking him where his loyalties lie made me wonder as to who was the bad guy. Seeing this play out this way, that Quirrell was actually the bad guy, the one that you would least likely suspect, somebody that looked so meek, and so innocent and so scared all the time. It's always the quiet ones. <laughs> it's just a brilliant plot twist. So really well done. Yeah, it was brilliant. Super brilliant. J.K. Rowling, once again, I give you thumbs up. <laughs> so when Quirrell is telling Harry about his allegiance to Voldemort, he says there is no good and evil. There is only power and those too weak to seek it. Give me a body of my own. 
This is a very popular philosophy heard throughout history that emphasizes the individual over the common good or the people. What are your thoughts on this quote and its connection in the Harry Potter universe? I think in the way it highlights the theme of the series, you know, showing the differences in Harry's approach to risking everything, Harry and his friends bonding together as one and risking everything to stand up for what they believe in on the one hand and on the other hand having this really cruel and self-absorbed approach of someone who's just thriving for power and seeing everybody else as weak and essentially it's love versus selfishness and love versus greed is what we're seeing here it's understandable that greed can make somebody blind and it made Quirrell not see how much danger he was actually putting himself in to fly so high, to strive for power so strongly. I mean, it was almost like Icarus with right. his attempt to fly to the sun where his flight ended early. I think it's all because he was so driven by power that everything else wasn't important. It seems like in moments like these, we need to remember what this is all for. And perhaps when the cause of our fight is greed, that is not as big of a motivator as when we're driven by love. And for Harry, who only wanted to find the stone to help save it, he was the one that was found to be more worthy. It just goes back to those who get their power through greed and selfishness it's always a demise. It's always something that will end up coming back and smacking them in the face somehow. Or burning them in the face. Ooh, I love it. So Quirrell also tells Harry that Snape was protecting him the whole time. He even volunteered to referee the next Quidditch match to be closer to him so he can protect him. Snape tried to kill me. No, dear boy. I tried to kill you. And trust me. If Snape's cloak hadn't caught fire and broken my eye contact, I would have succeeded. Even with Snape muttering his little counter curse. Snape was trying to save me. I knew you were a danger to me right from the off. Especially after Halloween. Th then, then you let the troll in. Very good, Potter, yes. Snape, unfortunately, wasn't fooled. While everyone else was running about the dungeon, he went to the third floor to head me off. 
He, of course, never trusted me again. He barely left me alone. But he doesn't understand. I'm never alone. Never. What can this say with regard to appearances and, say, stereotypes? Well, I think it shows that appearances might sometimes be deceiving, right? Uh, Snape looks like this guy who's perhaps very ruthless, and that's certainly the way he presents himself. And yeah, he's mean. He is, and there's a good reason for that. The way he's described in the books as like this guy with like greasy curtain type of hair as somebody that doesn't necessarily present with a lot of warmth and empathy he never smiles and so it makes sense that simply because of the facial expression and his body language because of the way he presents himself people might assume that he is evil fame isn't everything at the same time we might not realize that this individual might actually be attempting to do something good. And so what a great example of that, of how deceiving looks can be, how somebody might be scowling, not because they're evil, but perhaps because they're in pain. In Snape's case, right. both physical pain from Fluffy's bite and also severe emotional pain that we later learn Snape is going through. And at the same time might still be capable of doing a lot of good. The final obstacle is the mirror of Erised, which Harry magically had access to months before. Only a person who wants to find the Philosopher's Stone and not use it would be revealed its location. You see, only a person who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not use it, would be able to get it. That is one of my more brilliant ideas. And between you and me, that is saying something. What does this suggest about Dumbledore's trust in Harry and overall influence over his actions throughout this year? I think that Dumbledore is a chess player. And I think that Dumbledore probably knew that Harry would eventually need to use all of these tools, including the Mirror of Arised and the Invisibility Cloak, in order to be able to face Voldemort. I think that Dumbledore knew that the prophecy would eventually have to play out, and I think he was doing everything possible to prepare Harry. I think that although it's a risky game that he's playing, I think Dumbledore in a lot of ways is helping Harry because rather than protecting him from his fate, he's giving him every opportunity to win by training him in this way. The fact that Harry was the one that was able to receive the stone really shows that he was the one that was worthy enough to have it because his intentions were to save it, to protect it, rather than use it for selfish needs. Dumbledore is the only one that truly understands the magic of love. Love is the oldest form of magic, and it is also the most powerful one. And Dumbledore knew that it's something that Voldemort would never understand and therefore wouldn't be able to find the Philosopher's Stone. And it was very clever of him to recognize that Harry's pure heart would be really the only one worthy of finding the stone. Ah, oh, I love this story so much. It's so awesome. 
When Voldemort orders Quirrell to kill Harry, Quirrell starts burning upon touching Harry. He actually ends up dying as Harry grabs him on his face. Dumbledore later explains to Harry that it was his mother's love that made it so Quirrell couldn't touch him. Harry, do you know why Professor Quirrell couldn't bear to have you touch him? It was because of your mother. She sacrificed herself for you. And that kind of act leaves a mark. Oh no, this kind of mark cannot be seen. It lives in your very skin. What is it? Love, Harry. Love. What are your thoughts on the power of love? I mean, just expand on it more than what you did in the earlier question. I think that, as we mentioned earlier, love is the most powerful source of magic. We see that in anecdotes and research studies. You know, there have been numerous reports of, for example, babies who are being born premature and mothers cradling them skin to skin and just holding them and actually reviving babies that were initially pronounced to be dead at birth. We see multiple individuals that are able to save their significant others or their friends from different kinds of circumstances or different kinds of events by supporting them. And we also know that individuals that have a strong connection, a strong relationship with their loved ones, with people that are meaningful to them, also have longer lifespan. It seems like there's something to that. It seems like love somehow can potentially save a life or prolong life. And love also starts a life. And I think that it's such a powerful lesson in the series. And I think it's a powerful reminder for us all. I think it's easy to get discouraged in the world that we live in when we see a lot of terrible, awful things happening. And also, at the same time, the world is full of love. For me, specifically, like every day I wake up and I look at you and I'm so grateful to be with somebody that I love, to be with someone that I can spend my life with. And even on my darkest days, I find my wounds being that much more remedied, that much more healed because of our love together. And I think that Harry's mom, protecting Harry and giving all of her love to him, giving her life for him as the last possible gift that she could have given her son as the last possible act that she could have taken as a mother before she died allows Harry to be protected in more ways than he can realize. That was really beautiful what you said and I really appreciate it and I appreciate you as well. I was reflecting really vividly during what you were saying on multiple things. Even growing up as a kid, you see all these representations of love. I was thinking about Bambi and that whole scene where all of them find their loves, the skunk. Thumper gets all Twitter-pated. And as you were talking, it just kind of went into there because I remember when we first met, I said that you Twitter-pate me. (laughs) So love is very powerful. Back to the man with two faces. In the end, Harry saves the day and he almost dies and it's a powerful ending. But there is also a scene that is very important to the overall arc that we were talking about with regards to Voldemort and his view of how everybody should be in service of one person. And the opposite of that 
in my opinion, is Nicholas Flamel. In the end, Nicholas Flamel knows that the Philosopher's Stone is too powerful. It is a source of power. He decides to destroy the stone even though it will kill his wife and himself. Power may appear to be important, but morality is more so, and love, as we were discussing. In this case, sacrifice of the few for the common good wins the day. What does this say in opposition to Voldemort and Quirrell's assertion of power? I think people that live only for status, greed, and for power might lose perspective of what it's all about, what it is all for. And Nicholas Flamel and his wife, who had lived for over 600 centuries at this point, I think is wise enough to recognize that greed isn't worth it. That if you don't have your core values, if you're not honoring what is truly meaningful to you, if you're not living in a moral, ethical kind of way, then what's the point? He and his wife, very much like Harry's mom, as their last act, make this sacrifice where by destroying the stone, they know their days will be limited. I think they have just a little bit of the potion left to keep them going. So they won't die immediately, but they know that their days are numbered and they make the sacrifice knowing that this is for the greater good, that this is something that they're doing as a gift to humanity, as a gift to humankind, as a way of loving and protecting the humankind. And it's also a way that we're able to see Harry inheriting this torch from his mom of learning what love is and learning to utilize this love to then protect his friends, but then also protect all magical and even non-magical folk. It's so beautiful. Another topic I'd like to discuss is the house cup at the end of the book. In this situation, they come into the Great Hall and it's all decked out in Slytherin colors as they had won the house cup. However, Dumbledore has to tally some last minute points and he kind of has a moment where he says, yes, yes, this is wonderful Slytherin, but Gryffindor actually wins. And in first place with 472 points, Slytherin House. Yes, yes, well done, Slytherin, well done, Slytherin. However, recent events must be taken into account. And I have a few last-minute points to award. To Miss Hermione Granger, for the cool use of intellect, while others were in grave peril, 50 points. Second, to Mr. Ronald Weasley for the best played game of chess that Hogwarts has seen these many years. 50 points. And third, to Mr. Harry Potter for pure nerve and outstanding courage. I award 
Gryffindor House, 60 points. We're tied with Slytherin. And finally, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. I award 10 points to Neville Longbottom. Assuming that my calculations are correct, I believe that a change of decoration is in order. House Cup. I mean, that's kind of messed up. It is. I agree. I thought that if these points were to be added to Gryffindor, then they should have been added before the ceremony. Because I think that psychologically speaking, it's a big letdown. The House Cup competition makes sense. And to do so after the celebration has started, after Slytherin has already been told that they are the house winner, after the banners have been hung up, I think is unfair. Dumbledore should have allocated those points before the feast had started. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's a really messed up situation, pulling the rug out from underneath those poor Slytherins. Those poor Slytherins. The (laughs) cup was ours that year. Well, apparently not, according to Dumbledore, anyway. (laughs) And I have to wonder, is Dumbledore playing favorites? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just put it out there and be honest. It's pretty clear he is. (laughs) Yeah. At the end of this book, Harry has to go back to the Dursleys and deal with all that jazz. But he goes back with a smile because he now belongs he now has found his people he found his connection he found his love and even though his home environment is abusive and oppressive he knows that he has something to look forward to he knows that he will return and he knows that there are people that love him this is a perfect opportunity to end this episode of harry potter therapy Thank you so much for joining us on this adventure so far. This is the first book. We have six more to go. Seven if you count the cursed child. (laughs) So we still have quite the adventure to go, and we are so very honored to have you with us. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or on Instagram, Dr. Janina Scarlett Official. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. As we've been mentioning, we do have some gifts to give out for some lucky listeners out there. If you like what you've heard and you want to hear more, please rate, like, and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And also, please contact us either on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, love to get some feedback. We really value our listeners, and we want to show our appreciation. So one lucky listener out there will receive a free copy of Harry Potter Therapy and a 
Hera Dragoper from Dr. Scarlet's Book Therapy Quest. Thank you all so much for joining us on this adventure once again. Stay magical out there, everybody.